McEwen wheels in front and was checked. The puck sat there for a moment. Now York is shot. Score! Ken York's first in the natural. And it's 2-1 Philadelphia. This is episode 94 of the Liberty L. Danny Deemer here with Chris Stompo. As always, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. Getting ready for some playoff hockey. I, I love this or tonight's slate of games in particular. I think these series are just amazing between Winnipeg, Vegas, Seattle, Colorado, Tampa, Toronto. New Jersey's kind of fraudulent, but I'm I mean, enjoying the playoffs. I mean, yeah, you're right. They'll and, be back. Yeah, New, New York is just – that's a tough matchup at the end of the day. It really – I don't care who you are. You match up against the New York Rangers in the playoffs. That's a tough, tough outing. I, absolutely. I mean, the Rangers' power play is sickening when they're on. Like, that top unit – like Zibanejad with Fox on the point, Kane in his spot, Kreider in net front. I mean, it's just, it's right there with like the Kings, not the Kings, I'm sorry, right there with the Oilers power play, right there with Tampa, and right there with the Avalanche. I mean, just in terms of star power and the way they move the puck, it's just insane to watch. And like we said before we hit record, it's also painful to watch because it also reminds you just how far away the Flyers are in terms of having that kind of skill on a power play. Um, but, yeah, this these playoffs, I mean, NHL playoffs round one are always the best, right? It's honestly my favorite round yeah. just because there's so many games and you could see an eighth seed upset, anything could happen. And, like I said, just every night, four games, four games, four yeah. games. Like, I, I love that. Uh, what's it called? The... the the one series I wanted to, to jump in real quick. Did you watch that Oilers game last night? I mean, I know these games go insanely late for our time zone, but I did. I actually put a live bet on Oilers plus two and a half, and I wish I did money line, but easily wow, been the back. best series, right? I mean, oh, they've yeah. all been good, but that's been the series that I've looked at personally and been like, wow, that's just been back and forth. I'm, like three of the games so far have gone into overtime, I think. And I kind of had a feeling going into this series that this was going to play out like this. Los Angeles was has just been getting better and better throughout the years. And Edmonton, at the end of the day, man, all that offense they have, they can just be a little shaky at times. They can defense. just look shaky. It's that defense but, and goalie, man. I don't know what's up with it. It's always been like a, 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 a thorn in their in their side. But that offense is so good that sometimes it just doesn't matter. And last night is another example of, I mean, any other team – you're dead after that first period. You're not winning that game. But when you have the two best players in the game, yeah. you can win that game. Absolutely. That was an insane hockey game. It really was. And then they went down 4-3, um, scored the 4-4 goal, and then won an OT. What a wild game. I mean, I was I woke up when they came back and tied it 3-3. And to see all the tweets, especially from the Oilers fans, before they came back, it was just... Everybody was kind of melting down, like, blow it up. Edmonton's done. They can't win, blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, the series isn't over, obviously, but it's kind of like the same thing with the Leafs. Like, the Leafs were up 2-1, but if you look back on history and the playoffs before, the Leafs were going up 2-1 before and like, I think many four. Many times. Yeah, many times. So, it's it, this isn't unfamiliar territory for the Leafs. It's just about them. Can they get over that next hump? And that's another series that I'm, I wanted to point out to you. That's been an incredible back and forth. I mean, the last game, like game three, was right on par with the King Oilers series. I mean, that was just back and forth hockey the entire time. It was really fun. 
when when that game three ended, I, I just thought to myself, like, this is only game three. Yeah. And this is I the know. intensity that we're getting. Like, this is this is gonna be a dog fight to the finish. Probably six, probably seven. And I'm excited to see what that looks like as this series plays out because these teams hate each other. They do. They they really hate each other. Real quick, who do you think? Not who do you think? When do you think you we finally see Luke Hughes and if, if at all in these playoffs? Because he hasn't played. He's been a healthy scratch. Obviously, he's a rookie. I don't Did, think he'll see him. No, nah. I think if they I think if they go down three one, you might just yeah. a spark, just to get a spark. I mean, I don't think it would. Kill them. I don't. I don't think he's gonna well, cost game them this five series. Is in New Jersey, right? Yeah. Here. Yeah, that, that could get the crowd going. Yeah, three one. If you're down three one, coming back to New Jersey, you need some kind of spark. Maybe you see Luke Hughes. That would be incredible if he made his debut and then did something. Even though I'm not rooting for the Devils at all, but just from a personal, individual standpoint with him, it would be pretty cool to see. Yeah, I have weirdly found myself rooting for the Rangers in that series, and I don't understand why. Because you hate the I think Devils. it's because the Devils were, that leapfrogged us in the lottery. Yeah, they leapfrogged us in the lottery yeah. multiple years. So even just seeing them in the playoffs just irks me. So I'm just like, the Rangers I've accepted. Like, they're, they're yoked, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Put the Devils down. That's how I feel. But if, like, if you ask any, of, any older person or any older Flyers fan, they hate the Devils. Like, my dad, I'm sure your dad doesn't like them. Any, anybody over the age of, like, 35 who experienced those 04 teams, the Brodeur teams, they have hatred for the Devils in their hearts already. So, I, it, personally, it's not hard for me to not like them because I kind of grew up with a dad that was like, hey, fuck the Devils. Like, we don't root for anybody that plays for them. We hate everybody that puts on that sweater. I mean, that was how I was raised. But it is nice to see. I mean, it's fun to watch them now. I mean, they are the new age of hockey that's coming into the NHL. Just highly skilled, young. Jack Hughes is the next big thing in hockey right behind Connor McDavid. I mean, he's just incredible. It's fun to watch, but at the same time, it's bleh because it's the Devils. No, I agree. Yeah, like just a few years ago, you look at a, a home game in New Jersey and you're like, ugh, I don't want to watch that. But now you, you <laughs> yeah. just think speed, skill, especially when they're playing a team like the Rangers. Like that sounds like a matchup, a game that any hockey fan would want to watch. To touch back on the Kings-Oilers real mm-hmm. fast, I think the King the Kings had to have that game. Like, that is such a backbreaker. I think Edmonton clearly goes on to win this series now. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I could be wrong. But if the Kings win that game, it's their series, and you're up 3 nothing in your building. That building was rocking. I don't know if you saw the, the first period. It's going crazy. But yeah, it was rocking, dude. I felt you have right to have that. It's just, it's the way it happened, too. Like, if Edmonton came out and dominated them and won, that'd be one thing. But to be up 3 nothing, like, in their heads, they're probably thinking they're going to win that game. Especially when you go up 4-3-2 towards the end. Like, to blow that game has to be such a hit to the mental. But obviously, we'll see how that plays out. I just think you got to have that one. Like you said, against Connor McDavid, you can never let up with those two. Connor McDavid and Jari Silo, and they're incredible. Can't let up with them. And now it's game five in Edmonton. That crowd's going to be rocking. It's 2-2 when you could have been up 3-1. Whole different vibe. They're going to look bad. It's completely yeah. different. It kind of resets the series, if you will. Now that it's 2-2 going yeah, back to it's Edmonton. It's the best of three now. Yeah. I mean, we could sit here and do this for any of the series. I mean, look at the Kraken. Even though it's 2-1 Colorado, they played a hell of a game one, I think it was they won. 
Um, the Kraken has just been playing good hockey all year, so it's not really surprising seeing them doing what they're doing. Yeah, it was game one. They won 3-1, and it was a solid all-around hockey game. Yeah, uh, so it seems like now Colorado is starting to hit that flow. Yeah, I mean, McKinnon's where, being McKinnon. And it's not even like Seattle's playing bad. It's just, yeah, you're just seeing unreal plays out of Colorado that, that, that Seattle I just don't think can match. Yeah, I mean, they, if Seattle doesn't have the high-end talent that Colorado no. has. I mean, even with Landis Gog out for the entire playoffs, like I just said, McKinnon becoming McKinnon, uh, being McKinnon, McCarr doing McCarr things, and even though they don't have as much depth as they had in previous years, like especially Kadri, that was a big loss, uh, they're still good, and they still have that experience, that playoff experience, where it's kind of like, like with the Lightning, not totally, but I mean, they can just flip a switch. They've been there, they've done that. McKinnon's one of the best, if not the best player in the world, right behind Connor McDavid, so either them or the stars coming out of the west if um if it's not Edmonton. So. That's another series. I mean yeah. Minnesota Dallas is insane hockey. It really is. That's two, what I'm saying. Two. Like any of these any of these series we could sit here and talk for like 30 minutes each just about storylines. I mean look at the Hurricanes. They, they have guys dropping like flies. Tavo Teravainen broke his hand, he's done. I mean and they're still winning games. They're yeah, it was a huge game 4. Huge game. They for. needed that. Carolina. I'm oh, not Carolina. I'm sorry. Uh, the Islanders couldn't take advantage of a very depleted Hurricanes lineup last game in Game Four. Uh, I'm pretty sure Carolina had one, if not two, guys go out during the game. When I, I mean, I didn't want. I, I, I didn't get to watch the entire game, but when I did tune in, I did hear one of the uh, play-by-play guys mention how the Islanders. Islanders just failed to capitalize on the injuries that the Hurricanes had. So seeing them up 3-1, it's not surprising given how deep Carolina is, but a little surprising given, I mean, they're the Islanders. They just never seem to kind of go yeah. away. So I do expect them to win game five tomorrow. New York. I agree, Edmonds. though. They, they've had opportunities to capitalize. I mean, they probably should have won game two. Let's be honest. Like, Carolina yeah. clutched up towards the end there. They've been playing them well. Like, those games have been... Except for the last one. They've been highly contested. Like, the last one is the game where it's you, you win that one at home, you could tie it 2-2, and then it's who knows who can win that series. That's why it was such a big game for uh, Carolina right there. Especially, and Carolina hasn't had the most goal output no. in this series. For, so for them to go out there and put a five spot up on the road. Especially about Svechnikov and Tara Vrionen now. It's pretty it's a tall task, for sure. Um, I think the only series where I don't really care about is the Panthers Bruins series. Nah, the series blows. Right. I am. I'm so disappointed in Florida. Like, I didn't expect them to win this series, but I at least thought you tie it one-one, you go home. I thought there'd be more of a fight out of them, but they're looking like the Flyers out there. Like they're <laughs> going down four-one and then having a surge with two minutes left in garbage time. Like, I I don't like that series. Yeah, I mean, the the series itself is ugly. I mean, I don't really give a fuck about it. I mean, because it's Boston. Um, I mean, I don't like watching games in Florida. I don't care what anybody says. I just don't enjoy, like, even actually fans watching don't. my TV when there are games in Florida. Um, and then plus, it's just a lopsided series. Uh, the Bruins are just a lot better of a team, top to bottom, and it's just not surprising they're up three one. I'm surprised that it's not actually a four nothing sweep, to be honest. Um, but I do expect Boston to win Game Five and kind of end it four one. But that's the only series out of the other seven that I just couldn't care less about. But all the other ones are, have been really fun so far. And one, one we didn't touch on too much, Winnipeg, Vegas. Winnipeg's another done. Another insane one. Winnipeg's done. You know that, right? 
last game was huge. Morrissey's out for the season. Morrissey's out, yeah. So, uh, I mean, they were all kind of already kind of having a shaky go at it now that Morrissey's down for the count, unfortunately. Hate to see that, but, yeah, I think they're done. So It sucks. The way they, they started, the way they started this series, even the way that they battled in that home game, I was rooting for it. I really was, but I have to agree with you. I'm going to need Briere to get on the phone with Winnipeg this summer. Sanheim, first-round pick next year. I mean, we have picks to mess with if you want to. Yeah, what do you get, want? Get on the phone, Briere. Talk to me. That's all I'm saying, Danny. Get on the phone. Talk to me. Talk to me. Uh, that's all the series, though. Uh, I think we went through all of them. Game four between the Devils and Rangers is tonight. Rangers up 2-1. Leafs Lightning game four is tonight at seven thirty. Yeah, that's the um, one to watch. It's a big right one. There. Uh, then Jets Knights at nine thirty, and then Kraken Avalanche at ten. So it's a nice little slate of games. I'm excited. See what the yeah. Kraken. See if the Kraken can tie it up two two. That's uh, that's the big if. It's the big if. I'm rooting for the Kraken, man. I really am. Are you? And I didn't think, yeah, I didn't think oh. I would be because of Dave Hackstall, but yeah, I mean that was the first thing I think of is Dave. I mean, I remember how much uh, I despised them for a good three months after they lost that last game of the season, which <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yeah, I, yeah, that pissed that? me off. Yeah. I, I wrote a a very passionate blog about how mad I was when that happened. I'm pretty sure what they pushed us to to fifth instead of fourth, right? Because they yeah they were right behind us. With their pick, yeah, that, that really run me the wrong way, dude. I was so pissed about that, but yeah, they are fun. Like watching games, like I just mentioned in Florida that I hate, but watching games in Seattle, that's fun. It's just a, a really fun atmosphere. It reminds me of a Vegas atmosphere. Um, but, uh, yeah, another what seems like another successful expansion market from the NHL. I mean, good job. Those are two markets that I I like watching. I like watching Vegas home games. Yeah, I like time. watching Seattle home games. Like. Good job. I still don't like watching Florida ones. Like I still don't like watching Columbus ones, but or Arizona ones, which yeah. just keeps alive for some reason. I don't know why, but yeah, I Seattle games, like you said, Vegas games at home, always a good time. Uh, we we have to try to go to a Vegas game if the Flyers are there next year or something. I mean, I've just heard nothing but good things about the atmosphere. Yeah, like the there. pregame show. Yeah, the, just, like they got like a light show and shit. Yeah. It's a whole spectacle. <laughs> it is. It is. Do you want to get into the uh, the rumors surrounding the interview process for the president of Hockey Ops? Yes, yeah, that's, uh, that's something that I mean, Briere has been asked multiple times, especially in his exit interview, about the process of who they're going to hire for the next president of Hockey Ops. Obviously, Dave Scott stepped down um, as the CEO of Comcast Spectre. Chuck Fletcher was relieved of his duties as GM and president of Hockey Ops. So, um, our guy, Anthony DeMarco, he wrote a blog about four days ago uh, talking about the process of this hiring and who's fronting it. And that's Dan Hilferty and um, Valerie. So they're looking for the next next guy or girl to be the next president of Hockey Ops. Um, some names that he threw out on that blog scott melbany am i butchering his last name danny i know melonby melonby he was mentioned um to be interviewed as the 
for the president of hockey ops uh, position. Uh, he was hired by the Blues on July twelfth, twenty twenty two, as the senior advisor to GM Armstrong, uh, to Doug Armstrong. Uh, he was in Montreal's front office for the last decade and recently stepped down from his role as assistant GM last November. So he's a guy that uh, could potentially be in the running. Uh, I, I honestly don't know, other than the one I just said, too much about him. Uh, honestly, I don't know too much about any of these people. That Yeah, president, like, evaluating a president of hockey ops is it's kind of a hard task yeah. to do. I don't know. It's very case-by-case, case, but Doug Wilson rumored to get an interview. Doug Wilson? Yeah. I'm interested. Don't know who that is. Sounds familiar. Is that? Did he used to work for the Sharks and they had to yep. step down? Yep, Sharks GM back when they were real good, like okay, okay. going to the cup finals. When they versus Pittsburgh? He might, he may, I guess, I don't know, somewhere along the way, I guess he lost that job, but. He stepped down. I don't, I I'm not sure for, when that was, but he stepped down. I think it was a couple years. Yeah, he stepped down for, uh. I don't want to say the wrong thing if I'm not 100% honest. But I know he definitely stepped down for some reason. And now he's potentially, per, I think, Elliot Freeman, looking to get back into things. So he's definitely a guy. Um, Anthony DeMarco, he mentioned Ray Shiro as a guy. But apparently Shiro wants another crack at like the day-to-day handling of things. And that's already taken care of with Briere. Yeah. So Shiro's probably not going to happen. But... Shiro's an interesting one. I mean, our history with the Shiro yeah. family. Well, I mean, it would be cool to see, but with the the side note that he apparently wants another crack at the day-to-day operations of running a franchise, you kind of get put off with that because that's that's Briere. That's why you hired Briere years ago to eventually fill this role. Um, he's obviously, the way he's talking in these last kind of interviews, he's the, he's the GM, full-time GM. They're probably going to announce it within the next couple of weeks, you would think, right? Definitely before the the draft lottery. Yeah, it seems like it's trending that way. So absolutely. It's it, it's a it's an interesting process, if you will. They also um rumors of Cami Granado. She's the sister of the Buffalo Sabres head coach Don Granado and the wife of Ray Ferraro. You know our guy Ray. Uh, she served as a top scout for the Kraken before getting promoted to the Canucks organization. Uh, she's somebody that has been rumored as a potential candidate to get, in, to get interviewed, but uh, it's unknown about how serious the interest is and or if she's even accepted an interview request. But that's another name around the hockey world that could get interviewed. But a girl that has got interviewed, which I don't know if I'm com- completely going to butcher her last name. Help me out with this one. Emily. Let's <laughs> do good luck. Yeah, uh I don't even want to say it. Castangue? I don't Gway? know. Castangue? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. But she's another name that has already interviewed with the Flyers. So, just a ton, ton of names out there already. I'm, I'm glad they're doing their due, their due diligence with the process. I don't know if you saw that. Apparently, they have, again, reached out to an outside source to help them in the process of hiring this person, which... I don't really understand the uproar about. Like, aren't we sitting here asking them to do their due diligence with everything and check every box? Yeah, I know. We sit here and bitch about the boys club. Like, they're making every decision. We, we want someone else making the decisions, and they, they put it in someone else's hands, and we bitch about that too. I agree with you. 
that's exactly what I want Makes them to sense. do. And I mean, it was the same thing with the whole with when Chuck Fletcher hired Torts and he had a, an outside firm like help him in the process. It wasn't like they came in and was like, "All right, Chuck, you have absolutely zero say in who gets hired." No, he, they came in and helped him and others within the process. It's kind of like that. So I, I don't personally have any, any problems with it. There were a lot of other things that Chuck Fletcher did as the GM of the Flyers that I have problems with, and that definitely yeah. wasn't one of them. So don't understand the uproar about that. Um, but like I said, very interesting process. I don't know when that person is going to get announced. I'm sure they have a lot more interviews to go, but at least we have some names now that we can kind of get familiar with in the next couple of weeks. I guess at the end of the day, what you really want is is kind of a mentor to Briere, right? A guy he can go like just I wa- he's he's a higher up. Yeah. I don't want to say mentor because like I don't want to just yeah he or she is a higher up. So I don't want to make it seem like they're below Briere, but you just kind of want someone who's just gonna give him the right advice, push him in the right direction when he may be steering off course because he is a young GM. Mm-hmm. And that's why I kind of like Doug Wilson because that's a that's a GM yeah. who has dealt with star players, extending star players, dealing with agents of star players, and going out and acquiring talent at deadlines. Like that's a guy who who's been aggressive before and can teach Bria how to be aggressive. But it's not like my opinion really matters. I, no, that's a, no seriously. That's a really good point. That was a question that I wanted to ask you. Like with Bria being a new GM who, I mean, let's face it, he's never been in this position before with an NHL team. I mean, he's obviously been in the organization in the last couple of years. He's worked as the GM of, I forget what team it was, uh, in the junior league, but uh, this is the first time that he's been in this position with an NHL team. And you look at it as maybe you want him to have a guy with experience over top of him just so he has somebody to like go to for advice on on things on a day to day basis kind of thing, you know. And it's really interesting. Are they going to go with somebody who's kind of new, or are they going to go with somebody with experience? And it's kind of a mix of both with all the names I kind of just listed. It's like Shiro obviously has experience. Doug Wilson, like you just said, has experience, but the others and they not got a connections lot of too, right? So like, yeah, they could just open the door to talking with certain teams, like maybe. I'm not sure what, what teams Doug Wilson may have had connection with in the past, but let's say he had one with a, a Western Conference team. That's like an mm-hmm. automatic like layup new connection when he comes to the Flyers. Like, just stuff like that. No, but it, like, it really is an interesting question to ask. Like, who, like, What direction are they going to go? Are they going to go with an experienced guy or girl or somebody or something new? You know what I mean? So I'm definitely excited to see what they do there. Um, New Jersey's Danny. Let's let's jump into that real quick. Very excited about this because, Very. I mean, we don't switch our jerseys much. No. Or our logo, like the Flyers. It's a classic brand. Like we we really don't switch it up much. So when we do, it actually feels like a big deal. Like this feels like a huge deal to me. Especially Danny. And now hold on to your seat. If we win a lottery pick, if we win, and I know this is. Insane to say. If we get Bedard or Fantilli, and then is it insane? All, I mean, is six, it insane to say six point five percent chance, Danny? Oh, it's rigged. It's rigged. Get out of <laughs> here with that percent. You mean to tell me the the Ducks actually got the best chance? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> the Ducks have a twenty five point five percent chance of getting first. We have six point five percent chance, but it's possible. It's possible. 
But if we like win one of those lottery picks, get one of those players, and we have new jerseys, burnt orange jerseys, I mean, it's a PR layup as it is already. Yeah. I mean, it's just an easy gimme. I mean, me personally, I will have one probably of, of Gauthier or Forrester. But if we get one of these guys and there's new sweaters, oh, my gosh. The, the amount of money that they'll make and the amount of different jerseys that I'll order are just insane. So this is an odd question, but do you know if any other team – are we the only team doing this, or is this like because of the New Jersey sponsor? Is a bunch of teams doing this? I, no, it's just us, right? I'm not sure right now. But honestly, the first team that jumped in my head when you said that was the Arizona Cardinals. They just completely changed their, their uniforms, and it looks awful. But NHL team, no. I, I haven't heard anything regarding that. I'm pretty sure just us right now. But I'm, I'm, I'm sure teams will follow. Dude, but yo, Batman. Batman's gotta know <laughs> dude, this is this is such it, a layup, dude. He's gotta see it. That, man. That's why I, I hate thinking about it because I when I start to think about it realistically, it's it, it begins to make a little bit of sense. Yeah, I mean, and that scares yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast. Absolutely, take the take us being flyers fanatics out of the equation. The homerism out. Either us or Montreal in terms of a market. Chicago too, but I mean Chicago doesn't deserve either one of them if we're being honest. But Montreal or us, if you look at those teams that are in the running for these two guys, it's just it take it all the homerism aside, Danny. It, it makes too much sense. Dude, and it can't jerseys. be Montreal because they just won last year. And if I'm the NHL, I look at a team like the Flyers, like they have John Tortorella. <laughs> they lost like twelve overtime games. They're really not that far off. I hate to say it just because it's been a decade of mediocrity, but if you, if you take a step back at like the NHL, they're really not that far off. You give them a little little jump start, you might you might have a competitive market in a couple of years. I mean, you, you add any of those two, it doesn't completely change the rebuild, obviously adding Connor Bedard, but I mean, it just it advances it a little bit. I mean, you just added Connor Bedard, you're still going to let him come in and... And, and develop as he would. I mean, he's not going to come in here and, and, and carry you to a Stanley Cup. You're going to still let him come in here and, and develop. But it's just, you add a guy like that, man. It's just, and Fantilli. Like, let's not get carried mm-hmm. away here. He's a, he's no consolation prize. Like, that guy, if, if we're going to talk who's more pro-ready in terms of body type, it's Fantilli. Like, that guy could play in the NHL right now. I mean, I'm not saying Bedard couldn't. But in terms of just being mean. a big body and having NHL size, Fantilli is that guy right now. I mean, he is just – he's insane. He's just an insane talent. If this wasn't a Connor Bedard draft, I think Fantilli goes number one in every other draft besides McDavid's, Matthews, and maybe Jack Hughes. I think it would be an insane running between Hughes and, and Fantilli if – they were in the same draft, but I mean, any of those two guys, Danny, it's just, I have eight jerseys. That's all I have to say. I have eight of them, and all they're all different. You said it best. Like, it doesn't equate to a Stanley Cup, no. at least not immediately, but what it does is it just gets the whole fan base back on board. You get a Connor Bedard, you get an Adam Fantilli, I don't care what happens. I'm riding <laughs> with those guys until they are no longer on my hockey team. It's... Ride or die with them, too. There's no. I'm no longer miserable on the timeline. 
I won't be bitching. I'm just going to wait. Yeah. Wait until it's their time. But I mean, Connor McDavid's the prime example. Like, you could have the best talent. You could have two of the best talents two. of the game, and it still doesn't equate to winning. So you still got to build a team. But uh, that's what kind of excites me about the Flyers. Like, we, we do have a decent little like spine of a team. I mean, we got the goalie. Yeah. Uh, defense needs a little work, but we do got some some bright spots on there. Uh, for, some forwards definitely shine this year. Just don't have those 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 superstars. Don't have the yet. star. Yeah, yeah, don't have the star. I but. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how he does in year two with Boston. I mean, he's got a lot of talent coming his way in the freshman class with Leonard, Will Smith, uh, Peralt. I mean, we'll see what they're doing in the the U eighteens right now. So it's gonna be really fun to see what he can do. But I mean, I'm not hanging my hat on him becoming a superstar. Could he? Absolutely. But we'll see. But he is one of those guys, I mean, we've been asking at some point someone's going to break through and be such an unexpected surprise and just floor, like go right through their ceiling and surprises. We've been waiting for that for years, yeah. and could be him. I mean, it could be what's our, our, our boy Tyson Forrester. I mean, eight po- uh, seven points in your first eight NHL games on a team like that. I mean, I'm not getting my hopes too high, but, I mean, that was exciting to see. And but he, he looked good. He did. He looked awesome, dude. Like, that shot, holy shit, if you can put a playmaker next to him that creates his own space and finds Forrester in spots that Forrester just sits, uh, I mean... I'm not going to say anything crazy on here, but Forrester could be a player. Like, if Cutter Gochi and Forrester could, like you said, finally be a prospect that we had high hopes for and finally reached or broke through those high hopes, that would be perfect. And then and then we could potentially add a guy like Bedard or Frantilli with any luck. I mean, it, it would be incredible. If, if we don't get any luck and we stay at seven, you got a guy like Oliver Moore who could potentially be there, Dvorsky who could be there. Uh, Benson, if he falls, I mean, there are just a lot of guys. Like, obviously, you're gonna want the top two guys, the top three guys, even Carlson at four. But this draft is deep, especially the top eleven. So we're gonna get a good player, and we just gotta we just gotta hope that whoever we get and Gauthier are guys. It's with, with Forster and Gauthier, like, do I know you notice it immediately with Forster when he releases the puck? It's like we've uh, been missing that. Yeah. Oh my God, we've been missing that. That is so fun to watch. There's very few people on the Flyers this year that, that when they get the puck, you're like, oh, he can rip this from here and it'll go in. Like very few people, but he was one of them guys, man. He got the puck on the rush or whatever. You're sitting up in your seat a little bit, and that gets me excited for a guy like Gochia because he's he's clearly have, has a shot as well. Gochia is just a an all-around kind of guy. I mean, he's got the neutral zone to play. I mean, he can go end-to-end. He's got the hands. He's got the size, the shot, like you just said. Power play guy. I mean, he's just... I'm really excited to watch him go back to college next year. Game... He's seen, I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. I was going to say, he just seems like the kind of guy that's going to be wearing a C or an A one day. It's so early for me to say, but no, I'm going to just toss it. That's not crazy for you to say because I forget where I read it from, but I think it was one of his college... Either one of his college coaches or high school coaches. I forget. Don't hold me to this. It's somewhere on Twitter, though. If you're listening to this, it's somewhere on Twitter. Where they were like, this guy, everywhere he goes, every team that he plays on, all the guys in the locker room love him. And he's a leader everywhere he goes. And that's huge. Like, that's not not only having a guy who's insanely skilled and big as he is, but having a guy who could pot- uh, possibly lead at some point in his life. I mean, I know he's leading kids. 
and the NHL is completely different because you're you're leading a, a, a room full of grown men. But just having that attribute as a 17, 18-year-old, 19-year-old is it's it's really impressive. There's nothing about Cutter Gauthier right now. I'm not just saying this because I'm a Flyers fan and he's, he's our number one prospect right now. But there's nothing about him that's bad or disappointing where you're like, ew, that needs to get a lot better to, to be able to translate over to the NHL. Like, this guy, this kid could play in the NHL next year if you wanted to. Like, he could have yeah, easily... Yeah, if you really wanted to. Yeah, he could have easily signed his ELC if you wanted to, in my opinion. But I think he looked at the Flyers situation. I I, I think it was a, a two-way street. I think he looked at the Flyers situation, they looked at his situation, and they both went, hey, it doesn't kill anybody if I go back to school next year, gain more responsibility as an older kid, Get to play with Will Smith, Gabe Peralt, and Ryan Leonard, who are all studs and probably going to go top twelve in this draft. I just it doesn't hurt his development at all. So hope he'll, he'll be a flyer by next April, next May. Uh, extremely it, excited. It's perfect too because you got Briere with the the fresh GM job. There's no pressure on him to because Cutter Gauthier like there could have been some pressure for Chuck. Like I got to get my guy in here, the guy I picked. I got to get him in here because he was on the hot seat. But there's just no pressure, and I know Briere's on the same page as what you're just saying now. Go back, get some more experience. This thing's going to take time anyway. Briere has said it himself. And, um, yeah, it'll be next year. Speaking of the the Phantoms who did fall short, I guess it was the – Against the the checkers, right? Game three, they lost. Charlotte checkers. What a brutal series. So I watched the game two. I didn't watch the game game three. three. Game three. Didn't watch it like you was busy, but it was bad. Like they lost five nothing, I think six nothing or something like that to lose man, game that's three brutal, like that. Man. That is bad, man. I mean, they should have won game two. Like yeah. they had so many chances in overtime. They hit post. Oh, no. I remember them hitting post, man. Just an extremely disappointing way to end a really good season. For them, I mean, a lot of young guys played well. Forrester led the team in, in points with 48 and 66. Like, Saw had 45 and 53. Sheesh. Uh, Dana had uh, a team leading 23 goals, and he broke a, a rookie franchise record. Who was, that, that was held by Connor Bonneman and Danik Martell. So, not really saying anything, but still cool to see him do it. Yeah. No offense to those guys, but. Hey, that's 135th overall. Yeah, I mean, you take, like we said, you take anything you can get when you pick a guy 135th overall. Not every single dude needs to be a top six scorer or a playmaker. I've gotten into so many back and forth with guys on on our Twitter within the last month about, like, one guy told me that I shouldn't have used the word uh, hype or hype train to (laughs) regarding Dana because he's a, he's a, he's a, (laughs) he's a 135th overall pick and he's not going to equate to anything but a third or fourth liner and I shouldn't say get hype about that I just I couldn't I couldn't disagree more like there's there's like that's a W yeah like there's huge W people like watch the NHL playoffs like the third and fourth lines are often the difference in these fucking teams dude everyone has that top end talent when you get to the end of the year when you get to the April everyone's got their fucking guys bro everyone's got their horses it's about the depth Nope, absolutely. It really is, and, and that's why I like when that guy messaged uh, on our page the other day and was like, "Brink, Brink I could Brink, I could see Brink being a third liner at best." It's like if we're really good and we're a playoff team, and Bobby Brink is a solid third liner, that's a fucking W, bro. Yeah, 
not I every mean, guy needs to be a fucking 45 goal scorer or, or bust. It's just an insane yeah. mentality to have, in my opinion. I'm sorry. Yeah, now if you're telling me, like, oh, Cutter Gauthier is a third liner, I bet, well, now, now we can have an argument. Now we yeah. can have we can I've, have a debate. I, I think you're faded. But. Speaking of Brink, 28 and 41 after coming back from a torn labrum. That's not terrible. No, not at all. I was actually pleasantly surprised with his season, dude. So was I. Um, email Andre had six and ten. He just really impressed. I honestly, I think he might be a little bit too good for the AHL. Uh, he made he a was, play in the overtime of game two that was so clean. He's really good, dude. Like he wiggled two people off, got the puck in the zone, but it was like towards the end of his shift, so he couldn't follow it up. But if he did, man, oh, it could have been, <laughs> it could have been highlight reel. Dude, you know, I can't, I can't sit here and enjoy. That Andre is a good player because it just automatically reverts me back to the fact that Travis Sanheim is here <laughs> for the next at least six years if we don't trade him by like June thirtieth. I saw when that when that yeah. deal finally kicks in and that modified no trade clause for the next six years is in effect. It's just what are they gonna do with that left side? I mean, you got Cam York, who's already the best defenseman on the team by far. You got to get him back to his natural spot. Provorov. I don't know if they trade him. And then Sandheim, who you can't trade unless you trade him very soon. It's just a terrible situation. It really is. It, what, like, it's They've just, handcuffed themselves. Yeah, and I'm it's hoping either, Blair can get out of it. But go ahead. It's, it's either you got to make an important decision right now before that, that no-move clause kicks in, or you're just, you're just handcuffed. And then it has to be Provy. Because at the end of the day, you can get Travis Sanheim to to wave. It. Like, say things are going wrong, he's getting benched by Torres. Yeah. He's going to want out anyway. But that just that that leverage handcuffs you so much because you know he's going to give you twelve teams that are all in, in the playoffs, <laughs> or he might give you one that's like Calgary because he's like from there. You know what I'm saying? Something yeah. like that. And it's just it's just going to handcuff you even more because he's not Claude Giroux. Like you said, there is a possibility that he does wave, but I mean. I'm not banking on that. No. You know what I mean? So it's Yeah, just... and that hurts your leverage even more. Like, you're going to take a worse return on a guy who has to wave and give you a 12-team list yeah. or whatever it is. We'd still you're... do it. We'd still absolutely yeah. do it. Like, I'm not looking to, to get a fucking insane return back for Travis Sanheim. I, 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 I do think he could bring back something worthwhile, but I, I don't think he's bringing back a first. I, I just don't. I don't. Know, I don't think he's that good. Yeah, maybe last year, but I don't. I don't think this year. Maybe. I mean, I and know. that's a maybe. Yeah, like, that's a maybe. NHL trades are just so hard to like compare and contrast because each situation is just completely different, and it's just really hard to be like this trade kind of looks like this trade because of this reason. Yeah, I mean, pe- just... people will always be like, "Oh, this trade set the market," and then you'll yeah. see another trade where a GM just gets fleas and it's yeah. like, "Oh, but I thought that one set the market." Like, there's a reason why Tanner Janot got traded for where he got traded for to Tampa because Tampa was like, oh, Nashville, you have three other teams in on him too? Well, here's just this fucking house load of picks. Can we have them now? Like, they're in the position to have fuck you trades. You know what I mean? So it was just, it's just a weird position. Oh, yeah. They're putting their chips on the table. Yeah. Which, I mean, they're in a position to do that. They have, Something like I wanted said, to talk to you guys. about. Yeah, go ahead. Something I wanted to talk to you about. Alex DeBrincat. Apparently, he wants out of Ottawa, huh? Well, I didn't see any of that. What happened there? He's not going to re-up. 
I don't think, or I think. Oh, is that right? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I saw multiple. I'm not sure the exact specifics. That's on me. But I, I do know there's multiple, like, confirmed reports of they don't think he's going to be in Ottawa much longer. See, that's that's an interesting conversation because I'm not as high on the Brinkett as I was this time last year, but I would still take him. I mean, he's still, what, 25, 26? But, I mean, he's going to want big money. Uh, he's going to want term, and I don't think we're in position to do that. So, I don't think. It would be cool, but I don't know. I don't see it. Like, Briere specifically was like, yeah, we're not in any position to be trading. Or not trading, to be signing a guy long-term or a big-time move right now, which is, it's true. Like, I'm glad RGM is finally saying that. And the only reason why me and you were on this podcast last year slamming our hands on the table for either Debrinkat or Gaudreau is because RGM told us the complete opposite. You know what I mean? We were just going off what we were being told. We were being told that it was a quick retool and they were trying to get better as quickly as possible, and that was the route to do so. Um but now we're being told that it's going to be a long rebuild. It's going to take time. And they're not in any position to do something like that. But it would be fun. Absolutely. Like Alex Debrink gets a hell of a player. If he wants like three, four years, maybe you think about it. Like It wouldn't hurt. It would help develop other guys too. But, I mean, I don't yeah. think it's on his priority list by any means. But that, that's around like the age group yeah. type of player that, that you want to be targeting, though, if you're a, a team trying to build up. Throughout Absolutely. the years. Picks and young players. That's what we want, baby. That's all we want. Um, Please excuse my neighbor mowing the lawn. Yeah, I hear him. He's going crazy. He's going ham. But um, let's talk about the just the players real quick. Uh, the top scorers. The top scorers after January 1st. Um, who impressed you? Who didn't impress you? Um, let's start with who didn't impress you. Who was a guy this year that you were had a little bit higher expectations for and didn't quite didn't quite meet them? Didn't quite meet them. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's not a lot of players that you look yeah. at individually where you're like, damn, had a little mo- higher. Most of the young guys did take a step. Like the guys who you know will be here down the line did take a step, and yeah. all the other ones that kind of quit on the team and gave up were guys I kind of wanted out of here anyway. So. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I like my maybe Wade sh- Allison. Dude, like, that, I, yeah, that was my pick, but at the same time, I don't think he was I that did, bad. Yeah, I didn't have that. Yeah, and he wasn't that bad. And my expectations of him weren't insane anyway. Like, I, I kind of, kind of feel like I have a, a firm grasp on like the type of player he is. You know what I mean? Like, I gotta say, Sanheim. I he 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 took a step back oh, this year. You know what? That that is a fair one. Yeah, we've been hounding on him all year I, I forgot like i forgot he had such like an up year last year that yeah it, it wasn't even an up year I mean, I we know, talked yeah, about on this podcast quotations it, it was a he was a quote-unquote the best defenseman on a fucking bottom four team like Provorov was dog shit that year like he wasn't this year and the rest of the team i mean justin braun just retired good career for him but i mean the argument that he was the best defenseman on the team when the team fucking blew is just a wild argument in my opinion. But yeah, he he absolutely took a step back this year. Uh, he Ristolainen was I'm not gonna say very good. He's just right below that. But he was solid after he came back after from his injury. He was just yeah, was a say, solid defenseman. It took him a little bit, but he flipped a switch and like never went back. He was Tortorello and Shaw found something with him. I don't know, you know what, what it is? is. He seems like the kind of guy that can fucking take criticism. Yeah, That's what it is. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he has made jokes post game. Like, yeah, I was fucking 
shitty tonight. Like, yeah, yeah, he's definitely right about that. That's funny. I feel like I feel like those kind of guys just succeed under uh, an honest coach like Torres because at the end of the day, those conversations are productive. Whereas a guy like Hayes, yeah, and I'm about to cook Hayes a little bit because <laughs> I, listen, we get it. Like he's not going to be here long term, and we know he's not like the, the the best player. But the way he quit on this team was fucking disgusting. It was absolutely disgusting. And for him in his exit interviews to be like, oh, I knew months ago when the writing was on the wall. Like, I'm an all-star and I'm getting benched. Like, he so clearly quit on this team after he, he had a pretty good first half of the season. Now, it's, yeah. it wasn't sustainable like that. But it was a clear checkout. Not finishing checks. Not battling for pucks. Getting benched nightly and bitching about it. And it was really <laughs> annoying. Like, you have kids. You have guys like Owen Tippett, Morgan Frost, who have, like, scratched and clawed their way for years and years to just, just just to get this chance, just to get this opportunity, and you're playing alongside them like you're supposed to be their veteran leader, their guy, and just the way he, he quit on the team really grossed me out. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I don't blame you for feeling that way, and I'm, I might even make you feel grosser by saying this, but I'm pretty sure during the season, like towards the end, uh, when those younger guys that you mentioned were given the leash and the opportunity that, that that they were given, pretty sure Lawton was interviewed, and he was asked about. It. He's like, "Hey, like, are you frustrated from like not playing as much? Like, you're you're playing third line minutes. You're, the, the the minutes that you're playing has no, you can't even compare it to the first half of the season." And he basically admitted, "Was like, yeah, I was told by Tortorella, like, hey, we're gonna look at the younger guys, we're gonna give them a chance." And Tor- and Lawton was like, "I love it. Like, I let's give the young kids a chance." Like, I just feel like the reactions from the two, from Hayes and Lawton, were just two completely different reactions. And Lawton's was more like a leader's reaction. And Hayes was more of like, hey, I'm an all-star. I should be playing kind of reaction. Like, Hayes, look around, man. Like, we're not playing to win. Like, we want to give younger guys opportunities to see what we have in them. And I just feel like Lawton, like you said, like saw that vision a lot better than Hayes and took the younger guys under his wing a little bit better like i'm sure if players heard us talking like this they would come to the the defense of Hayes. i mean i'm sure he's a good teammate and stuff but like you said it just from a fan's perspective it did kind of seem like he just quit on the team after like january 1st after like that that shift from hey this is finally going to be like frost's time to get 23 minutes a night along with tippet and kates it just seemed like a flip was switched a switch was flipped <laughs> Like you said. Some guys get it. Some guys don't. Like, I look at Konechny. He responded well. Even towards yeah. the end of the year when he was asked about Frost, like, he had nothing but glowing things to say. He was like, this guy puts his time in. There was no one more deserving of an opportunity like this. And I loved hearing that from someone like Konechny. Like, he was good this year, too, he, man. Fucking yeah. 31 goals in 60 games. He was a point-per-game player. He had 61 points in 60 games. Anyway, he was, yeah, no, no complaints here. He, <laughs> definitely still think you should... You know Survey all your options, but oh, absolutely, no and we'll talk about that in like two minutes, real quick. Isn't it funny how Konechny is still third on the team in points after January first with twenty six and twenty nine after <laughs> missing sixteen games with an injury? Just goes to show there, there was like sad. four or five people who got the puck on the team this year, and I you're know. like, they're gonna do something. But dude, that, to to who finish off. One? That's Morgan Frost. Yeah, 32 and 45. And it feels damn good to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, th- that but, was your pick. 
on the on our pod before the season started as your breakout guy. Dude, you know what else I said? I'm like, dude, not to like glaze myself here, <laughs> but I also said I, I predict Konechny to hit 30. You did. You did. I, I was going to wait until you remembered that you said that. Cause you, hit on, <laughs> you hit on both of them, bro, to be honest with you. We got to go back and find it, but definitely good good call, man. But, at the dude, to finish off my point on Hayes, like, at the very least, this team wasn't the best team this year. But they fought, they battled, and they fought for each other, dude. They did. They really did. They fought for the man next to them. They were hype when each other scored. They were supporting each other. Even when we were all dogging the team during tough stretches, they were still in it together. And um, to just see that out of a veteran like Hayes, a, a guy whose personality I like, I liked having his personality in the yeah. room. I th- like that was like the least of my complaints years ago. And it's just I don't know. He seems he's, he just seems too soured yeah. this year. I mean, like from my, like, you can't blame us from a fan's perspective. It just kind of seemed like he was just like, all right, it seems like they're going in one direction, and I'm not part of that, so um, I'm I'm cool on it, kind of thing. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, he's probably not a flyer next year, along with Provorov. We'll see where that goes. But the whole connecting thing, like you just said, it's a really tricky situation because, I mean, Briere was asked at his exit interview. I, I think it was Charlie O'Connor who asked him. It was a good question. It was basically like, obviously you're not calling other teams to trade TK, but in terms of this being a long rebuild and TK being 26, 27, he's going to want big money and he's going to want term. Does it really line up with what you want to do? And Briere basically turned around and was like, yeah, I mean, obviously we're going to listen to all options with TK, but I mean, I still think he could be on this team and good when we're ready to be good. And I agree. Like, I think you could go both ways with it. And I think... Briere is gonna. I th- what Briere is gonna do with TK is what I think a lot of people would be mad that Chuck would do, but I think with TK you just kind of sit on him, just sit, and if any team calls and offers something insane, then then trade him. But other than that, he's nothing but an asset right now in terms yeah, that's of. The, that's why we're talking about it, right? Yeah. Like it's it's just because of pure asset value. Like, it, it has nothing to do... Like, I love... I actually love Travis Connecting. Absolutely. And I'm so glad he had the year he had. And if he is here at long term, zero problem with it. But, it's... And it goes back to why we were talking about Sanheim last year. Like, if you are a team in our position, you have to look at your most attractive assets and say, can we cash in? I mean, it's just something that has to be done. Whether you do it or whether you don't is a different thing, but you have to look at it. Absolutely. And he's definitely a guy that... You could be sitting there a couple days before draft day or on draft day where a team's like, you know what, we're going to go for it. And they and they offer you a haul. And you're Danny Briere and you're sitting there like this. I, I, I can't say no to this. And they do it. So I think that's a the only way that you'll see a connected trade is if somebody just completely overpays for him or gives us exactly what he's worth. Um, but, yeah, you can just kind of go both ways with, with him. I, I'm excited to see what Briere does because there's not anything that I'm – specifically looking at, if you will, that I'm expecting. You know what I mean? It's all kind of up in the air. I don't know what the fuck he's going to do. He's going to do something, though. But back to the young guys, like I said, most of them most of them did impress. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at also a guy like, like Cam York. I mean, I don't expect his huge leap to happen in, in this early as a, as a young puck-moving defenseman. I think he, his big breakout year is on the way. It's, it wouldn't have been this year anyway. So, but I, saw, I liked what I saw. Yeah, I saw people complaining that he didn't do anything on the power play. I'm like, he's 
on one of the worst power plays in the league and not even getting power play one minutes fully. So I don't know what the we fuck talked about the other that watching the Rangers. I mean, just the, the amount of options the Rangers have. Like you're talking about yeah. slot one timers, face off dot one timers, point shots, redirects. Like it, it feels like the Flyers have about two <laughs> options if that like on a good day. It's like an Owen Tippett shot and a Konechny shot. It's like and they're not the most high percentage of plays. Like if you get what I'm catch my drift here. Or a JVR butt shot into the net. <laughs> but that was our three plays. Um but yeah, I don't know, how do you expect a guy to be good on the power play? That's like bottom in the league for the last two, three years. I mean, they just they they need talent, and once you give Cam York talent to work with, with power play one time, which he should be getting th- next year, he should be getting all the power play time. Uh, you'll definitely start to see the points, the assists rack up for him because he's just a distributor on that. On that uh, blue Derek line. mentions all the time he's not even on his right side. No, he's on, his, he's on his offside. He's never played on the right side in his career, and he's been playing it for the better half of the season and has been on the eye test and on the analytic test our best defenseman by far. So it's just – this kid's incredible. So, dude. so you're in a different role. You're breaking it out to benders. You have a terrible power play. You're accepting, yeah. you're accepting passes on your backhand with guys on top of you. It's, 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 it's a completely different world on the right side. Like, I don't care what people say. If you have never played the right side as defenseman, you're not going to be very comfortable there. And he has admitted, Derek has said, that he, he, he has admitted that he's not comfortable on the right side, that he is uncomfortable on that side. So I, we, that is the number one priority for me. And we're talking about young guys here. Frost led the team. After January 1st in points with 32 and 45, he's a priority. Cates, um, and loved loved Noah Cates. Yeah, those three guys, and then obviously York. You need to sign all three of them, but in terms of positional play, you need to get York back on his natural side. That is the number one thing for me next offseason. Sign these three restricted free agents in Frost, Cates, and York, and fucking get York back on the left side. Uh, I don't care what you have to do, but do it. Dude, you look at uh, you just mentioned those three. I look at a guy like Owen Tippett, another youngster that I have nothing but good things really to say about. I mean, like he he showed up. Twenty seven. He showed goals. up this year. Are you a scorer? Or are you a banger? I'm a scorer. He showed up. I mean, he's just a, what I saw. If he could continue to do what he did last year, and I mean this year, and build on it, I mean, he can really be like a thirty goal power forward type. I mean, he's just the way that. His first step in acceleration has changed since he became a flyer. Has been really, really surprising to see, if you will, because he's just skating past dudes now, consistently too. So if he can build on that, he's a thirty goal guy, man. He really is. He, he reminds me of like the kind of guy a good team would have on their second, third line that would just dagger a team. Yeah. That would be so annoying. Like he's not the star player, but he's just like he's been a menace in this playoff series, and I fucking hate him. Uh, hopefully, you can become that. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are like that. Like on a on a really really good team, do you think TK is a second line winger, right winger, or a first line right winger? Like a Stanley Cup aspiration team. I, I think I think second, but you could put him in the first and, and really like spread out your talent, and it would still work. And be if, fine. If, yeah. Yeah. If you but, had the talent to spread out as such. I do think they have a lot of guys on that right side. Like we talk about how deep the left side uh, the left side of the defense is. The right side of the offense, the right wing, you got Tippett, 
you got Konechny, you got Forrester, you got Brink, you got Atkinson. I mean, there are a lot of guys on that right side. Um, and not one of them in, in Forrester could be a, a first-line guy if he hits his ceiling. But the rest of them, like I just said, I, I think Konechny could be on the first line on a really good team and be fine there. But I, ideally, he's on a second line. But like the rest of these guys, Brink, he's probably, if he hits the ceiling, a really good second-line player, top six guy. Tippett, like we just talked about him. But like none of these guys but Forrester have like first-line potential, in my opinion. So there are a ton of ways that Briere can go about this. I mean, we talked about moving guys to the left side, but we tried that with Tippett, and Torrell apparently didn't like it. So that's out with him. But tough decisions to be made, Danny. A lot of interesting things going on with this team right now. Definitely. It's more interesting than it was a year ago from this date. I'll say that. There's definitely more hope. Yeah. Just watching the team this year was like, like they were, you were able to turn on your TV and not want to fucking shut it off immediately. You know what I mean? Like, you not want to just go outside and just, what the fuck did I just watch kind of thing. Like, they, you could actually sit there and somewhat enjoy the effort that they gave you. So. Yeah, like they were supposed to lose. Yeah, yeah they're that not a good thing. team. Yeah, exactly. Like nobody expected them to like sneak into the playoffs this year, but it was good to see them actually have heart. And 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 I mean, there were times throughout the season where they they veered off the path, but they did come back. They they always followed up those dud games with good games, and that's a that's a sign of a disciplined team, or at least a team that's starting to get there eventually. But. Nothing but good signs this year. Like you said, not expecting to win. Cut a Gauthier. You got this this pick coming up. The young guys improved. You're going to get rid of some some older talent that has money attached to them. So, right now, Danny, I have hope. And you, you, you can't blame us as Flyers fans for having a little bit of hope. There's been too much dark and misery over the last couple of years. So, I'm going to choose to have hope. With Briere, even though he's shown me nothing to have hope, but I'm still going to do it because I'm a Flyers fan. So we'll see where things go. Yeah. It's still the beginning of the the John Tortorella era. I mean, if he gets what he wants and this all, and then finally gets his team because th- this isn't his team, he finally puts his stamp, gets his team next season. I'm interested. I'm interested to see how this team can grow. Me too. I uh, just it's it's, it's going to be fun to to see them potentially grow into what we want them to become. And like we always talk about, maybe maybe they are four or five. Maybe they are a feel good story next year, and they're a couple points out, and they so add a cool. Gauthier, and they go on a heater. Who knows, man? Who knows? That'd be so cool and fun, man. That's just something that I just can't even convince myself could happen because I just don't know what it would even feel like. <laughs> um, real quick before we go, we're already at almost an hour. Uh, we have some questions. I don't know if you want to read them. You want me to read them? I have them right here. Uh, I got them as well. You want me to? Yeah, go ahead. Starfire, bleed orange and black. Our bleed. Boy. Name three players, first or second end, and one goalie. Any selection of the draft you want to see on this team, and how Danny B makes it happen. Get spicy, my friends. Now, is this all the draft he's he's speaking, or just the goalie? Um, it looks like he's saying first or second end. Um, not sure exactly. I'm I'm just gonna name three players that I would love in the draft. Bleed. Uh, I, you're the goalie guy, bleed. So I don't really know too much about goalies. That's a completely different universe. For me. Are, are we like are we sticking to uh, seven, eight, nine range? Like strictly? Well, he said, "Get spicy." So let me set the All let right. me set the field real quick. Okay. This is spicy for me, bleed. 
if now let's say in this scenario nothing happens in the draft lottery and we'd stay at seven. Nobody moves up. Everything is the same. Let's say we end up with Oliver Moore, right? Speedster, really good two-way player, great hands, just Dylan Larkin type. And if he hits his ceiling, he's like Nathan McKinnon. Like no, he's the fastest player in the NHL as soon as he steps on the ice. Like top three fastest player. We grab him at seven, and then Danny Briere finds a way. He finds a way, bleed to sneak back into the first round, and and. Dmitry Sh- uh, Simashev or or uh, Gabe Peralt. Uh, Gabe Peralt just broke Austin Matthews' record for points in the season. I mean, he's been incredible um, this year for the United States National Development Program. Uh, it's just if they could dip back into the first round and grab any of those guys that fall, uh, that that would be fucking incredible. In my no, I, I see, that's uh, spicy. What about what about Riley Height? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, you are. I, he's another player that I, I'm pretty sure he played. His, yeah, he he played his first game of the under 18s yesterday. He got flown in because his team, his junior team, was in the 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 playoffs and they got eliminated. So and he had a really good first game. Just exce- a re- he him and Cristal kind of remind me a lot of, like, of each other. Really good hands, um, Zegers type hands. I mean, just incredible hands. Both have kind of like have skating issues, playmakers. Um, but yeah, he could be another guy they could dip back into. I don't think he's going to be there. I, I I think a team is going to fall in love with him before we could potentially pick him. But I think a guy like Gabe Peralt could be there because he has like concerns that come with him, and I think teams might stay away because of him. And if that happens and we could sneak back in and get him, ooh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, Gabe for, for goalie, we have no clue, right? Yeah, no, no, absolutely no crew. But for Gabe Peralt, most productive season in NT, NTDP history, he's number one with 118 points. Austin Matthews is number two with 117. So, Will Smith is also in that, on that list, fourth with 110. So, just insane numbers. And I'm pretty sure Will Smith moved up because he had like six points or five points yesterday against Germany. So, just insane talent possibly to be available for us, Bleed. But don't know too much about goalies, bro. To be honest, <laughs> to be completely honest with you, dude. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say we're gonna win the lottery, bro. Are you really? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, he said get spicy. He and- did. And it, it's spicy. it's not that's yeah it's spi- it's realistic spicy, it's not like it's not like I'm, it's not like we're tenth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, dude, if that happens, like I said, I will be showing up to your house with a with a rack of beer, a thirty rack. We're getting one or two, dude. We're getting <sighs> dude, one or two. Let's go, let's go. If it happens, I I don't even know what I would do. In terms of like my initial reaction, but I will be at your house with beer. I'm thinking. So. I'm thinking. Like, think of all the generational player drafts lately, or has, or maybe, or just just the, the extremely high end ones. Has seven ever won the lottery? Um, has, uh, what were yeah, the Rangers yeah. when they won Lafreniere? Oh man, I'm gonna have to go check. Yeah, I don't think seven's the, ever won the lottery, but there's got to be a first for. What something. were the Devils last year? Fifth. Devils are fifth. Okay. Yeah, because they and were behind us and they they bumped us to fifth and they moved up to two. 
the year they won first, where were they originally? For Hughes. Well, the, weren't they somewhere with us? Like, near us? I think so. That's, yeah, we're definitely going to have to go back and check that out. Either way, like Danny said, we're winning the lottery, so book it. Lottery, and then we're, we're pulling off a surprise trade, getting back in that first round, we're getting Riley. Ooh, I would love that Riley Height. If if, if Derek heard you say that, he would he would be going crazy right now. He's going to hear you say it. But And then next year, we're going to keep losing even more, and we're going to get a stud defenseman. And there's that a I'm lot sure, of that them. I'm sure you're going to know more about than me. Yeah, there's good. There's a lot of them right now. I'm not gonna talk about them. At the it's just like that. That's Briere's plan, baby. That's Briere's plan right there. Minimal holes in the pipeline. After that, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm just excited thinking about it. Like the, the possibilities, the the breath of fresh air that I finally have with Dude, this team. Man. Oh my god, we got Florida's pick too. I always forget yeah. about the, we have Florida's yeah. pick. Uh, that could be a 2025 pick if if Florida wants to fuck around and be really hey. bad next year. Hey, either way, it uh, helps the timeline tremendously. No, I need them to just miss the playoffs, so it's like pick 14. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. It's chill. What if we like? Yeah, what if we picked like <laughs> eight and 14? No, like, I, a- after be, getting Bedard, I'd be packaging that bitch up to move up to like fourth. Fucking Holy shit! Uh, Flyers clips. What's the first thing you're doing when Danny B trades Hayes with retention for Columbus's second and selects height? Another sure. height. Another height take. In the second? Yeah, he says, what would you do when Briere trades Hayes to Columbus for a second <laughs> and then they tr- uh, select height with it? If height's in there for, Dude, the, for a second? Oh, my. I, I'd be so excited. I'd and, be pumped. Dude, just like the, the thought of like we don't have to deal with Kevin Hayes anymore, and we get a guy that we can watch hot, like post highlights of and get excited about for the next hopefully twelve years. He's definitely going to Columbus. Like the the writing is on the wall. I I've heard nothing. It's pretty wild. Columbus. Yeah, it's pretty wild how like this is so certain. <laughs> like like they, they they've talked before. It's like they have the deal already hammered. Like, I think well, it is. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely agree. think it is. I agree. I think yeah, they're just waiting for some kind of like it's a draft date, trade. a calendar date. Yeah, they're waiting for the calendar date to do it. Uh, then Derek, our boy Derek, who's better at manipulating defenders and finding passing lanes, Smith or Cristal? And then he goes, am I giving Stumps an extra excuse to talk about Cristal and Smith? Yes. <laughs> so um, wait, so from what I've gathered, he's not too high on Cristal, right? Or was that a joke? No, in terms of selecting him seven... Because of his skating and pace issues, no. But in terms of his puck skills and IQ, he has him like right, be- right behind Bedard. Okay. Um, but yeah, the whole thing—the whole thing with Kristal is when he has the puck on his stick, he's elite. He's probably the best player in the draft behind Bedard in terms of playmaking, puck handling, IQ, seeing the ice. Like he's just incredible with the puck on his stick. The problem is, it's tough to see how he can translate it to the NHL because when the puck isn't on his stick he's kind of like a it's just not uh, it's just not all there right now I don't think he's as bad as a skater as Derek and other people think he is I, I, I think his edges and his hands are for, fine enough to, to translate to the NHL like they're that elite to the point where I don't think he has to be a burner but 
I mean, personally, I would take him at like seven and eight and, and geek. Like, I, I think he has the Trevor Zegers type skill that you just. I mean, Trevor Zegers isn't a, a burner by any means, but he's able to make up for that because he has elite hands, elite hockey IQ, yeah. and he knows how to work gaps. Dude, some players aren't the best skaters, but when they get the puck, their acceleration yeah. with the puck is what separates them from from everyone. Like some some guys, just like you mentioned, Crystal, they're not, like off the puck, finding that spot, finding that space can be hard, but. Some guys get the fuck and they they they, just, they flip a switch. They're turning. I see that with Morgan Frost sometimes as well. Yeah. Morgan Frost will get the puck in stride, and it's like he just levels up his speed mid stride. Yeah, I'm Frost like, is another guy you look at. I mean, he has the elite hands. You just you need him to move his feet when he has the puck on his stick. It's just it's kind of the same thing with Kristal. Um, but I mean, Kristal has a lot better hands. It's just but like you insane. see it in him when he gets the puck though. Like there there is a burst. Kristal. Yeah. Is there any burst when he has no, the puck? No, there's no burst when he has the puck. That, yeah, okay. that, that's the issue. It definitely is worrisome, especially uh, at the level he's at Yeah, right but now. in terms of just hockey IQ, hands, playmaking ability, uh, power play ability, he's just... Like, if he... If he just showed a little bit more burst and willingness on the other side of the puck, I think he'd be a, a for, top six pick for sure. I would still yeah. take him seven. Uh, just, yeah. You, you just don't teach the skills he has, and I think you can teach him to play with pace. Um, but to answer Derek's question, I think Cristal. Like, I, Derek, I think you would admit this yourself. In, in terms of hands and, and, and playmaking, Cristal is right behind Bedard. I mean, he really is. He's just that good um, at just – Handling the puck, manipulating defenders. I I don't think either really skate that well. I mean, we had a long talk about how Will Smith isn't the best skater in the world, but I think both have good edges. I think I would give the edges to Cristal in terms of being able to stop and start. But it is a tough question. But if I had to pick Cristal for sure, Pro- prospects with hella potential and skating issues will always be a common theme of every draft. I feel I feel like there's always those guys who are just. And every time, I said this to Derek. Every and they're so time. tricky because I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm no, just go like, ahead. I'm gonna finish this real quick. But like, I look at a guy like Forrester. That that was the main complaint of him. And then yeah. like, he's obviously not. I'm not saying he's fucking McKinnon, but <laughs> he he went in the lab with his skills coach. And I remember it was like a big thing that summer. Is like his skills coach was hammering at home on Twitter all the time. Like, trust me, this kid has been working on it. He's been working. He's yeah. been working. And as you get older, you fill in your frame a little bit more. You get a little stronger. Like it, it is definitely something tricky to get a read on. That's why I kind of I feel you on the potential point. Yeah, but, but I, I definitely could see it. There's another player in the draft that's kind of like the same worry about him. Dalibor Dvorsky. He just had a five point game in today's under uh, 18s. Yeah, this guy's a polarizing topic. Like people. Yeah. You but, ask some people, they love him. Some people don't. Yeah. So some people don't like him because he's too slow. And I'm not going to sit here and, and, and argue against it. He's not the fastest player in the world. Uh, he's not going to beat you straight line with with straight line speed, but he, he, he screams to me that player that doesn't need to be the fastest player in the world because he has the IQ and positional awareness to know where to be like a Tyson Forrester. Like, Forrester's always in the right spot to make a play. And I think if you're not the best skater in the world, you need to have that element to your game to be able to help you translate. And I think Dvorsky has more of that in his game than Kristal does. So I think you can look at Dvorsky and see him translate a little bit better. I mean, Dvorsky's 17 years old. He turns 18 in June. And he's already an elite two-way guy. Like, he's elite defensively. 
underrated offensively. It's just his skating doesn't have that wow as soon as he gets the puck and starts skating. The acceleration does not have it at all. But everything else, he has a shot. He's awesome on the power play. Uh, he's he's 6'1". He's not a small guy at all. He's got a nice stature, but um, just the skating stuff. And there's just a lot of guys that each fucking draft, I'm like, I love this guy. He's got great hands. He's either it's like a guy has like Zegras hands or a guy who's just a good two-way guy that I like. And it's, he always drops back. And some, some team sitting at like 17 is like, okay, I'll, I'll take a risk on him. Isn't that what the draft's about? Isn't the draft about taking guys with high ceilings? And, and, and hoping and, and working on their yeah. their weaknesses. like Especially when you're a franchise that your GM doesn't have a hot seat. There's a clear commitment to rebuilding. There should yeah. be no and I, there should be no shortcutting this. Like, and I will say way. this. If we select more or if Benson drops or whatever at 7 and the draft keeps going and going and going and we're at like pick 16, 17 and Andrew Cristal is still on there, still on the board – you need to trade back. That is, without doubt, the perfect spot to take on Andrew Kristoff. Because who gives a fuck about his skating issues at pick 17? Pick 7, I'll I'll sit here and listen to your argument about not taking him because there's other guys that could potentially be just as good who don't have the same kind of issues, like an Oliver Moore who, when he hits NHL ice, will be probably the top skater in the league. That's how good he is. But... At like pick 16, 17, Cristal's the best player on the board without without question. It's not even close. So if he's anywhere near that spot, Briere, you need to get back into the draft and go get him. And I, I, I'm just saying this. I have no inkling. I have no inside info. But maybe Briere wouldn't be that shy to take a player like that because Briere was once a player like that. Like Briere was that small guy with skating issues who people didn't think would be able to translate into the NHL. So we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I'm hoping. Kristal's a really good player. Yeah, there are concerns, but me, personally, I think he's going to be like a 70-point playmaker on a t- in a top six somewhere. I just think he has a skill. You don't teach skill, and he has it. That's a good point about Briere, about him being that player once. So he, he was. He, sh- he shouldn't be shy of this. And, like, you could just see his impact on the young players already, right? I mean, ever since he's kind mm-hmm. of stuck his hands into the development side of the team. I feel like we've seen nothing but some uphill climbs after a lot of downhill climbs throughout the years and regression. Um, yeah. I don't know where, where else I was going to go with that, but I'm, I'm definitely uh, I'm on board. It just It's an exciting time, like we said. Um, he did a great thing, a, a great job at Frost, too. We talked about that a couple of times. With- and Konechny as well. Like After Konechny had that down year, he said, during the summer, he had a lot of conversations with them. T- told him like get to the dirtier spots. Like you're a small player, but you can still get to that spot faster than someone bigger than you. Like <laughs> shit yeah. like that. I think Bria is gonna be good for us, man. I really do. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Flyers fan. I just I, I I have a good feeling about him. I really do. So we'll see where things go. But this is a good episode. We're what 74 minutes in. Damn, haven't been back in what almost a month. And we're going to give them a 74-minute episode? Let's go. So we got some good playoff games down the stretch here. Yeah. Um, Finally, we're going to know what our pick is in two weeks. That's what I'm really excited for because 
like I said, it's so hard for me to like balance the yes. the hopeful in me that's like, oh, but we might win the lottery. But like, I'd rather just either put that to bed or have it happen. Like, right. let's just get it over with, and then we'll focus on then we'll focus on the draft. Let's say next week, May first, we'll come back do an episode, and then the week after that is May eighth, and we'll have the live stream for the uh, the draft lottery and the fate of the next fifteen years of my mental health will be on the line if we win. So. I'm already nervous sitting here thinking about that trash lottery, dude. I'm going to wake up that day, even though it's a 6.5% chance, nervous as fuck. No, you nervous have to. You fuck. have to be because everything, like, aligns towards it. And, like, we'd be lying to ourselves if we said it didn't. We'd be lying yeah. to ourselves if we said, like, oh, it's unrealistic <laughs> for the flyer. We got Elliot Friedman <laughs> saying, like, it's the best possible thing for the NHL. Like, it is. It makes like, too much sense. <laughs> yeah, when you have all these factors... And like I said, a team like Chicago, they, they, yeah, they can get a Bedard, but they're still going to be bad for so many yeah. years that like no one's really going to be tuning in to watch national Chicago versus some other Western team like that. But you get Flyers with Torts, Bedard up okay. against up against Jack Hughes and the Devils yeah, like, in like, early November. Are you dude, kidding me? Like Bedard, Bedard and Gauthier versus the Jack uh, against the Hughes twins. Oh, brothers. dude! Uh, give me that. early November. We're, both we're, teams are like seven, four, and two. Like, oh, give me that shit. And, dude. and you know what's? And I know we're on we're on cloud nine right now, talking crazy hypotheticals. But I I, I want to throw this one out there right before we're talking about Bedard and how fun that would be. But Fantilli and Cutter Gauthier as our one-two punch. Jesus, dude! They're both like six-three. Will will shoulder you in the chin and have insane skill. That would be like. The best we'll, one-two punch we ever had. We will literally be like the modern day, like twenty eleven <laughs> Bruins. Like <laughs> no bullshit, just tossing teams, bro. If they were, if 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 that ever happened, and say Kudagoche went to the wing, that would be like the modern day Legion of Boom. Like legitimately, dude. If they put another big ass dude on that line, we're just like and, a medium sized guy. And that, that's that's a, that's how you build a modern day yeah. successful Look at us. Philadelphia Flyers. Hockey club because it, you, you you can't just get by on the physicality and the the broad street bully shit. That's clear. Yeah, you, you get the guys that could do both, man. Wait, real quick, how do you know how good Fantilli is? Like, I mean, I I, I got a pulse on it. <laughs> like he's the best fucking college player ever, freshman at least. Definitely the best college freshman ever. Uh, definitely, but like this guy is if. Bedard wasn't a thing. He would be the consensus number one, and like, and and that's a program that I put a ton of stock into, more than any other development yeah, program a lot in the of United guys. States. So that's why when you told me that like wait, Cutter Gauthier's, what? what? Fan- wait, we're talking about Fantilli, right? Oh my bad, my bad. <laughs> no, you're good. I'm tweaking. I was like, Fantilli's Canadian. I was like, wait, I was gonna what? loop that back to Cutter Gauthier and how like remember how you said he was captain material? Like when mm-hmm. people in that program are saying that, I really take that. To heart. Yeah, but yeah, I forgot he's fucking Canadian. He's playing in college. I I saw some uh, when Derek released one of his draft profiles recently. Some guy commented, it was like, "No more uh, UNDP guys." And I was like, "Why? Like, like that program is dishing out like some of the best young NHLers in the league right now. Like Jack Hughes is from that program. Jack Eichel." Cole Eiserman, who's going to be the number one draft pick next year. Will Smith, Oliver Moore, Carter Gauthier, like Trevor Zegers, like Cole Caulfield, 
Cam York. I, I, I could keep going. I mean, yeah, like, look at the body of work. It's insane. No, like, like, I mean, like, when, when that program is at its best... It's insane. It, beat, it beats Canada. Like, we've seen it in the past. When it's at its best, yeah. when it has its best... Uh, talent crop pool when it's not depleted like right now they're like some years they're in like a bit of like an in-between stage where a lot of players right graduate now. like but when they're in their best they're they are better than canada like right now they're a better team than canada on in the uh the u18s the, the united states first line is gay Perrault, will smith ryan leonard it's insane it's the best line in juniors if you were to like compare every league's lines, it's without a doubt the best. And the fact that, th- think about this, that line as a whole is going to Boston College next year. All three of them are going to Boston College with Cutter Gauthier next year. So, like, think about it. That's fucking insane. Boston College is going to be wild to watch next year. I don't know if that yeah, line is I- going to stay together. Or if Kodagoshi is going to play with one of them, but I, I if Kodagoshi can play with Ryan Leonard next year, oh my fucking god, dude, that would be incredible to watch. And if Ryan Leonard could potentially be a Flyers draft pick, having them both up there playing with each other, getting familiar with each other, that's that's beautiful. It's perfect, dude. I need to figure out a way. Whatever games are not on ESPN Plus, whatever streaming service I need Gotta to get. get it. Yeah, I think it's a must get. It's, it's Michigan of a couple years ago level. Like we must get this streaming. Especially test. if we if we draft one of those three kids that are going there next yeah. year. Will Smith, Gabe that would Brawl, be insane. Ryan Leonard, and then Oliver Moore Dude. is going to BU. I wouldn't even be watching the fly. <laughs> I'd just be watching no, them getting seriously. Hired, like what? Like they're not going to be good next year. We all know that. And I mean, they got two first round picks next year, and if. Like I said, if Kodogoche is on BC with another Flyers prospect, top five prospect, top six prospect, fuck. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge BC fan next year, fuck. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. Who we get in this draft, Danny? Let's see. Let's see this lottery. May 8th. May 8th. But yeah, that's, that has been 80 minutes. Yeah, 81. This was man. episode 94 of the Liberty L. You can follow us on all socials at the Liberty L. Follow me on Twitter at TLY Danny, Chris at Chris Stumps. And go floor.